welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. It is Eric Erickson here. So glad to have you with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, uh, right now, I got a friend of mine joining me. He has a new book out, Reversing the Left's Plot to Sabotage American Power. Only the Strong is the title, Reversing the Left's Plot to Sabotage American Power, the subtitle. It is written by a man you all know, the senator from the great state of Arkansas, Tom Cotton. Welcome to the show. Hey, Eric. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be on to talk about Only the Strong and uh, probably talk a little politics, too. Yeah, okay. So I, I gotta, yeah, I'm gotta. i going to ambush you with the question before we get into, into your book, because um, I was talking about this at the end of the last hour. For two years now, Democrats and the media have been telling us that Republicans are a threat to democracy. And I was really struck by Eric Wimple last week in the Washington Post saying he was too scared to defend the editor of the New York Times who published your column, uh, who got fired for publishing your column a couple of years ago because of the blowback he would get from the left. And I'm thinking, wait a second, Republicans are a threat to democracy, and yet you got a newspaper columnist of the Washington Post who admits he was too scared for two years to defend a New York Times editor because of what the left would do to him? That that sounds like that's the threat. Yeah, Eric. You know, these Democrats talk a lot about threats to democracy. I think what really worries them is uh, threats from democracy because they know the American people are about to repudiate them in seven days. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, that, uh, that column you just mentioned was about the episode from 2020 when I published an op-ed in the New York Times that simply said that if local police are unable to restore order, in some cases with Democratic mayors and governors, uh, not allowed to restore order, and the president had the responsibility and the legal authority to use federal forces, as has happened on a few occasions throughout our history, to include in my state, uh, when Orville Faubus, a racist Democratic governor, refused to integrate Little Rock Central after a court order, and Eisenhower sent in the 101st Airborne. That's happened most recently during the uh, Rodney King riots in Los Angeles uh, under President Bush. Um, but, of course, that's not the only example. I mean, in 2020, as I write about not only the strong the uh, media also had a meltdown, and I merely suggested in the early days of the pandemic that we should explore whether the coronavirus came from those labs in Wuhan as opposed to that food market when the claims that it came from the food market didn't obviously hang together. And, I mean, now just look at them, you know, the, the hysterics over Elon Musk taking over Twitter and, and maybe changing content moderation rules there. It goes to show you how much they relied on censorship to suppress opposing points of view. I mean, the left in America thinks that you should lose your job and probably lose your bank account and definitely lose your social media if you, I don't know, think COVID vaccines could be uh, dangerous for teenage boys or that teenage, healthy teenage girls shouldn't have double mastectomies or that climate change may be real, but we can control it and control its effects with more economic prosperity driven by fossil fuel production. These are all things that are reasonable views, yet uh, the left would rather censor them than engage them. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting to me. There's that story out now that it looks like Twitter in particular was working with the Department of Homeland Security to try to uh, suppress statements on social media made by people on the right. Uh, I, I keep hearing Democrats throw around words like authoritarian about the right, but that kind of sounds like what the Chinese government does is censoring dissidents online. Yeah, again, it's just another example of how the left doesn't want to engage in, in reasonable views, re views they're welcome to, to disagree with, but they don't want to subject it to a democratic test. If you think 
that teen, healthy teenage girls shouldn't have double mastectomies. If you think that maybe there were some election irregularities uh, in the last election that should be examined and certainly practices that shouldn't be repeated. Um, if you shouldn't have a teenage boy taking the coronavirus vaccine, again, these are not things that we should debate and subject to legislative votes and then kind of adjudicate ultimately at the ballot box. These are things that should be suppressed. The American people shouldn't even be able to consider it so far beyond the pale. They just depend on this quasi-authoritarian practice of big government colluding with big tech to suppress our voices. And I I think that's why you see so many hysterics about Elon Musk taking over Twitter. And like I said, I think Democrats are more worried about threats from democracy than threats to democracy with this election coming up in seven days. Boy, that's the truth. So so let's get into the meat of your book, Only the Strong. And by the way, folks, if you want to order a copy of Senator Tom Cotton's new book, Only the Strong, text the word DATA to 33777. I'll send you back a link right now. Uh, so I, I, I got to ask you the first question I ask every single politician in America who writes one of these books. Is, is this our, our, our subtle clue that you're thinking of a 2024 bid? <laughs> no, no, this is my second book. And on, on both books, as I sometimes joke, politicians usually write two kinds of books. One is my, my story, and one is my plan. And, you know, my story is normally about how I was, I was born in log cabin that I built with my own two hands. And <laughs> everything since then is, uh, has prepared me for my path to the White House, and, uh, and my plan is what I'm going to do as president. This is not that kind of book. Um, it's a book about what the left has done to the sources of American power. Because a central theme of Only the Strong is that the decline that most Americans sense. They saw it in Afghanistan a year ago. They saw it when we allowed BLM rioters to rampage in our streets and tear down statues of our heroes. When we allow teachers unions to shut down schools and then indoctrinate the kids with critical race theory or gender ideology when they're back in schools. That these things aren't happening by accident. This decline is intentional. It's decline by design. That the progressive left is at best ambivalent about America and our history and our heritage. And therefore, they are openly hostile to American power, so they work to undermine the sources of American power, a strong military, a prosperous, free, growing economy, sovereign borders, and sovereign freedom of action in the world. Maybe the best example is energy independence. Um, it literally powers modern life. You know, when the electricity goes off, you say the power is out. Um, and the Democrats have openly waged war against energy sources in America. You know, we get about 90% of all of our energy from oil, gas, coal, and nuclear. Yet the Democrats have said, like Joe Biden said in 2020, that they want to eliminate it all. So what you see in terms of $4 a gallon gas or million illegal aliens, as I explained, uh, and only the strong, it's not an accident. It's not Joe Biden's bad luck to be in office when it happens. It's the intentional design of their policies to undermine the sources of American power. I'm glad you say it that way because it has seemed to me for some time that uh, it's and I've said this phrase when I like the alliteration of it, but uh, that it, Biden would rather the dictators than the Dakotans give us oil. He would rather the tyrants than the Texans make us energy independent. It is this weird situation now where the president of the United States wants us to uh, be dependent on rogue regimes instead of Americans for for energy. Yeah, I mean, we shouldn't have to look to anyone for our energy, certainly not anti-American dictatorships like Iran and Venezuela, but really not even friendly nations that have been longtime partners like Saudi Arabia and Canada. We can produce more than enough energy for ourselves and for many of our partners around the world. Um, But the progressive left has an ideological agenda against American fossil fuel production. 
in a way, they're kind of fine with Venezuelan oil or Chinese coal. Um, what they don't want is it produced here in America. So they, they look down their nose at coal miners and roughnecks, yet they avert their gaze from Chinese slaves who make their solar panels or African child laborers who mine the minerals for those panels. Um, it, it is uh, deeply, deeply harmful to our national interests because we are the world's fossil fuel superpower. China, because of its unfair trade practices and state subsidies uh, and other ways of cheating, is the world's dominant producer of so-called green or clean energy. Yeah, it, it just it's I'm I'm deeply concerned about this push, particularly. I mean, the, the Secretary of Energy. I just I. I, I'm sure she's a very nice person, but I find it deeply annoying for her to tell people to do what she does and drive on sunshine, telling a poor person you got to sell your your 10-year-old used car and buy an electric car uh, and see your power bill go up correspondingly just doesn't seem like it's a solution to anything in this country right now. Yeah, I, I mean, most of these progressives, Eric, you know, couldn't change a tire or a light bulb, much less redesign an electrical grid. And they simply don't understand the basics of energy in the modern world. I mean, if you look across history, our founding fathers and Jesus's disciples lived, lived a pretty similar lifestyle, had pretty similar quality of life, especially normal people, you know, not the kings and, and the potentates in the uh, biblical times and the time of our founding. It wasn't until about 200, 250 years ago when living standards started to rapidly increase. And why is that? It's because uh, around the mid-1700s, uh, mankind discovered how to use coal and turbines to unlock mechanical power. A hundred years later, you got oil and gas. A hundred years after that, you got nuclear power. The idea that wind and solar power can replace those sources is just fantastical. It will never happen. Even if you could scale them up, what are you going to do at night? What are you going to do on cloudy days, on days when the wind doesn't blow, on days when your solar panels are covered with snow in the winter? I mean, you saw the farce in California uh, a month ago whenever they passed a law saying we're going to eliminate all uh, gasoline-powered cars by 2035. And, oh, by the way, don't charge your electric vehicle between right. the hours of 4 and 9. And don't run your don't run your washing and dryer don't run your washer and dryer then don't run your electric oven. The the Democrats have an ideological agenda that will make Americans less safe, less prosperous, force them to live smaller lives, but lives that are more controlled by their government. And as I explained in only the strong, this is all part of their ideological agenda going back a hundred years to Woodrow Wilson. You know, I tell people all the time that uh, the last time we were so dependent on solar and wind energy, we called it the dark ages for a reason, and, and here they go again. Now, let me pivot real quick uh, before we run out of time. I, My personal guess, and I'll tell this to you on the phone, it'll save you from texting me, I, I, I actually do think that Walker can win without a runoff in Georgia. A runoff may be likely, I'm in the minority but I think it's likely. I think Laxalt wins for sure. I actually think Dr. Oz wins. So I think the Republicans take back the Senate. They take back the House. Uh, what does that look like as far as an accountability agenda goes for the Democrats and these policies moving forward? Well, well Eric, I'm confident we're going to win the, the House and the Senate. I don't want to venture a number, but I think it's going to be comfortable majorities. Um, you know, I explained in Only the Strong that you, you shouldn't always listen or only listen to what the leaders of a nation say. You should see where they commit their resources. You know, when Iran says, like, we have a peaceful nuclear program, yet then they spend billions of dollars to bury it uh, in a bunker under a mountain that probably tells you it's not peaceful. Likewise, don't listen to what Nancy Pelosi says about holding on to the House or Joe Biden says about 
winning back the Senate, look at where they're spending their money. I'm in New York City right now for this uh, book launch. And when I got in last night, I turned on the TV. Every single ad was about a Democratic congressman in the New York City metro area. Think about that. Um, The Democrats are spending millions of dollars to try to save House members who are in districts that Joe Biden won by 10 or even 20 points. So we're going to win a comfortable majority. And when we do that, not only are we going to put the brakes on their ideological agenda, but we're also going to begin to have thoroughgoing probing hearings to expose some of the corruption and some of the overreach of the Biden administration. Thank goodness for that. Look, we are out of time. Uh, those of you who want the book, uh, only the the strong, you can text the word data to 33777. I'll send you the link so you can order it off Amazon. Senator Cotton, it's always great to talk to you. I appreciate you stopping by. And I am noticing right here on Amazon that your book is already listed as the number one bestseller in the national and international security section of the books. Well, thank you very much, Eric, for having me on. I appreciate you and appreciate all your listeners. Thank you so much. Senator Tom Cotton, Arkansas, the book, Only the Strong, Reversing the Left's Plot to Sabotage American Power. It is out today. It's already a number one bestseller on Amazon. You can own it by texting the word data to 33777, and I'll send you the link to get a copy. Let's pause and just talk about what's going on in the country for a moment. We got sky-high inflation. We got runaway government spending. Trust in Washington is completely eroded. When government is this dysfunctional, you got to change the course of the country. You know you have to. That's why I'm excited about the work Americans for Prosperity is doing. They're focused on policy solutions that actually improve people's lives, unlike so many in D.C. who just want to play political football and have power. Americans for Prosperity doesn't just come up with solutions. They act on those solutions. They have the largest network of community activists in the country. They are out there every day talking to millions of their fellow Americans If you're interested in seeing how you can get started with Americans for Prosperity in your community, visit americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today. That's americansforprosperity.org slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Listen, the phone lines are open, 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the phone. Uh, I do need to tell you, yes, I talked to, this is basically the phone hour show. I, I I, I didn't plan for this way, but the schedules of the people I wanted to talk to, uh, it had to work out. I do want to talk about this Atlantic piece on the need for an amnesty for people who got COVID wrong. I don't think there should be one. I want to explain why. That's going to wait until 2 o'clock. I'll take your phone calls as well. But this is important. I have been mentioning for several years my favorite pollster, My favorite pollster tells me this. My favorite pollster tells me that. My favorite pollster says this. My favorite pollster is pointing this out. My favorite pollster's name is Chris Wilson. And he's going to join me by phone for the very first time at the bottom of this hour. I don't don't want to break the magic with you. But he really is a brilliant pollster. He has been used around the country by Republicans. He is how I knew... There was probably going to be a runoff in 2020 for Purdue and and uh, for Leffler that things weren't working out as as planned. He I he gives me incredible insight and he understands polling and the problems of polling. I've been waiting to talk to him about some stuff in front of you guys. Uh, I don't like to have guests on the program. This is a bias of mine. I picked up from filling in for Rush over time uh, and from him being a mentor and a friend is I feel like I may, I'm having a conversation with you guys right now. 
And when I bring a guest on, I'm forcing you to eavesdrop into a conversation as opposed to me having the conversation with you. And that's unfair to you. Occasionally, however, there is a, a someone of brilliance who can do a far better job of explaining something than I can. And that, those are the people I want to bring on. And so Chris Wilson is my favorite pollster. I refer to him as my favorite pollster all the time on this program. And he's going to join me. In the meantime, I want to tell you the New York Times is sounding a red alert for Democrats about the New York Times' own polling. If you will recall, I mentioned yesterday the New York Times has a series of polls out that have the Democrats ahead or tied in uh, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Georgia. Nate Cohen is their data analytics guy for polling. Let me read you this. In the aftermath of the 2020 election, most pollsters concluded polls probably underestimated Donald Trump because of something called non-response bias. In short, Mr. Trump's supporters were less likely to respond to surveys than Joe Biden's supporters. While non-response bias is challenging to prove, there was one possible marker for it in the New York Times Siena College data in 2020. White registered Democrats were more than 20% likelier to respond to our surveys than white registered Republicans. In our final wave of Senate and House polls in the last few days, that hallmark of non-response bias looks like it's back. Overall, white registered Democrats were 28% likelier to respond to our Senate poll than Democrats, a disparity exceeding that of our pre-election polling in 2020. So they still call to find Republicans until they get enough for their sample. But the Republicans who are willing to talk, they may be Republicans in name only. It could skew their polling. It could cause a real bias. All of these things are starting to crop up now. And at least to their credit, they're being honest about it at the New York, at the New York Times. And it also suggests their polling is biased towards the Democrats and things may not be as presented. They have a three-point lead for Raphael Warnock in Georgia. The AJC has a one-point lead for Herschel Walker, for example. The holidays are the most exciting time of year, and if you want to enjoy them to the fullest, you need to get the best night's sleep every single night, particularly before your kids wake you up early during the holidays. My goodness gracious, it's easier than it sounds, though. You need the softest, most luxurious organic cotton sheets from Bowling Branch. Their sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on earth. They make a difference. You can truly feel night after night. Forget the script that they gave me to read. Y'all, let me just tell you, Bowling Branch, I sleep on their sheets, and they get softer every single time I wash them. They are so soft at this point. Like, they start out, and they're fine. They're good sheets. You can tell they've got a nice weight to them. They've got a good thread count. The quality of the fabric is, is very nice. But the more you wash them, the more you realize how good they are because they get softer, but they don't fray. That makes a real difference. I can tell you, I sleep on Bull and Branch sheets. I bought them myself even. They didn't send them to me as an advertiser. I actually bought them. We've been buying them for a while. They're towels and other things as well. But their signature sheets... 
they come wrapped and ready in a beautiful holiday gift box for you. Your gifts are going to look great. You can give these sheets to people you love. Bring home a better night's sleep this holiday season with Bolin Branch Bedding. For a limited time, 20% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at bolandbranch.com. That's bowl and branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code ERIC, bolandbranch.com. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. I am delighted to have you all with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425. For several years on this program, I have often referred to someone as my favorite pollster and relayed nuggets of wisdom I get from him. I try not to bother him because I would bother him all the time. But he's also on social media and I can sometimes read his tweets and just steal from his stuff. Uh, but he is the one pollster who I actually pay attention to more than most because, uh, one, he's just a profoundly decent human being, really like him. But also, uh, he's not afraid to tell you stuff uh, that you may not want to hear and, and tell you the way things are going honestly. And so, without further ado, I am delighted to finally have the voice of my favorite pollster on the program, Chris Wilson. How are you? I'm doing great, Eric. You're my favorite radio host. So, you know, things very mutual. <laughs> So, okay, I, I have so much I, I've been dying to ask you uh, on air so people can kind of eavesdrop on this conversation. I, I want to start with this. Can you kind of explain the difference between public polling that we see in the newspapers versus the private campaign polling that you specialize in? Yeah, well, I think the, the main thing is, is the private polling, which is not released. I mean, if you go and look at my rating from Nate Silver for WP Intelligence, I think it has three polls on there. Uh, Eric, I've gotten three polls back in the last hour. We don't release our polling because it's used for internal strategic purposes. And so anytime you hear the media dismiss something as internal polling, it is uh, myopic at best. Because if you produced internal polling and were wrong, that is, if I told uh, you as a candidate for any office that you're going to win and you lost, I would not keep working. If I told you you're going to lose and you won, you would not hire me for your next election. Uh, as you know, I just finished up uh, in 2021 the Glenn Youngkin race. Almost mm-hmm. every single public poll had us losing. Internally, I had us winning, and I had us winning since uh, going back to Biden pulling uh, the United States out of Afghanistan. That's about when we went up. It, it tightened at times. We were up for the whole time, which caused uh, Youngkin was able to use that to call people and ask people for money. He put some of his a lot of his own money into it, and based on those. Uh, pieces of internal information, he made decisions that he would not have made if he was only seeing the external public polling that had him losing. Now, he did question me a lot about it and want to make sure it was right, but <laughs> he did that. And so, but there's so much more I can say about this. I mean, I, I actually teach college courses on it, but I'll, I'll go into a really brief uh And and by the way, just to clarify something here out of the gate, uh, there is the quote unquote internal polling that's released to try to get the media to write a story. And that's not what we're talking about as far as internal polling goes. No, that's right. That's a really good point. And um, and sometimes that both sometimes they do serve both purposes. Um, I did a a poll for a governor's race that will probably be releasing pretty soon because it's very different than any of the public polling at all. But the reason why our stuff is different is, candidly, it costs a heck of a lot more. It is we don't use robocalls. It is if you get a recorded voice that says, who are you voting for, Uh, Brian Kemp or Stacey Abrams, and then you hit one or two, 
that could be you. It could be one of your kids. It could be your housekeeper who's not registered to vote. You know, it, it, the fact is you have no way to verify who that is. Ours is all live polling. But more importantly than that, we poll based on propensity models utilizing something called PPS sampling, sampling, proportional probability of selection. And that's a fancy way of saying we interview someone based on their probability to participate in an election. And so let's say hypothetically you have 10 people who live on the same city block and all 10 of those have a 10% chance of voting. A typical survey would ignore all of those because none of them are what you might label as a one of four, a two of four, a three of four. But because all 10 of them have a 10% chance, 10 times 10 equals 100. One of them is statistically probable to vote. So one of them would make it into our sample. And that is the difference between an internal sample based on <laughs> proportional probability of selection using probability models than it is to call people up and say, hey, are you registered to vote? Oh, yeah, sure I am, because, you know, there's, uh, bi there's <clears throat> social desirability bias. And, oh, are you going to vote? Well, yeah, sure I'm going to vote, even though there's no chance you're going to vote, because, again, there is social desirability bias to tell people what you think they want to hear. And that is what you see that drives up the numbers for the media polls that don't use something like proportional probability of selection or probability models for their sampling, and that's why ours cost a lot more, but also are a heck of a lot more accurate. So now that I put all your listeners to sleep and probably you too. <laughs> no, no I, I, I'm what glad you, you could answer that. So, okay. So with your internal polling, I, I mean, the trend lines around the country, they swung in the public polling towards the Democrats. They've swung back towards the Republicans. I mean, did you see similar shifts in your private polling? I where the, and, I, I did. Go, so I've always kind of explained that it, like in Georgia, I know every single election since I've been in Georgia, it has happened. And everyone I know in politics in Georgia has always said it's going to happen because Republicans are going to the beach or getting their kids back in school. They're less likely in <laughs> August, September to answer the, the question, to answer people. Now, that's what everyone said. And it's what I said, too. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but it just always seems like there is that late summer, early fall swing back to the Democrats. Well, I remember I, I saw you write about that, and I'll say I think that used to be a very accurate assessment of what occurred until the proliferation of cell phones. And at this point, in just about any state in America, 60% of our interviews are to cell phones. Uh, in some states, it's 80 to 90%. And the great thing about a cell phone is you don't leave it at home when you go to the beach. You take it with you. And so you have seen that change. And so what happened this year is there's no question the Dobbs decision did cause a short uh, swing to the Democrats. It lasted about six weeks, but it has completely gone away. And in fact, in this morning's Wall Street Journal poll, there is a 20% swing amongst independent women to the Republican Party. And I would have guessed, Eric, and I think you and I have similar uh, feelings about the 2016 election. And um, I would have guessed that the slippage Republicans saw with suburban women that were manifest in the 2018 election would have lasted a generation. What COVID and Democrat governors and Randy Weingartner and teachers unions did was cause that to be fixed in two short years. And so because of Randy Weingartner, you have, and not just because of her, but because of the shutdown of schools, the overreach on COVID and the, the fact that they were willing to sacrifice children and education and continue to do so, frankly, through their, through the, uh, through the opposition to school freedom and vouchers and allowing kids to get out of failing schools and move into good schools, the teachers unions have completely flipped the script when it comes to independent women. And so what we've seen 
over the course of the last uh, the just the last few couple of weeks is a complete swing back to the Republican Party. And so you now see the generic ballot led by Republicans by an average in the real clear politics average of 2.8 percent. But, you know, that the thing about that national average, Eric, as you know, is that it's heavily weighted with numbers from large states like California, New York, uh, Texas, Michigan, Illinois. And so from a standpoint of the competitive races nationally, you actually see that come out to around an eight to 10 point lead for Republicans in generic ballot. And so I would predict today that you're going to see a low of 25 to a high of in the 35 to 40 range in terms of Republican pickups in the House. And so if you compare where that is uh, overall to what's happened in the past in 2010, Republicans picked up six seats in the Senate, 63 in the House. In 2014, Republicans picked up nine seats in the Senate, 13 in the House. There were just as many to pick up. Uh, redistricting, of course, occurred, and then you had the 63-seat pickup. I don't think you'll see 63 seats, but I think you're going to see over 30 picked up. Uh, okay. if, I were, if I were betting today, I would say over 30 seats in the House and probably three to five in the Senate. Well, I'm glad you said that because that, that's kind of where I've been. I, I've been saying probably around 35, and, and I would not be surprised to see a 53-seat. I mean, I, I just looking at the, the, the yeah. late-breaking trends in Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, uh, looking at Pennsylvania, I, I just have New a York, hard time believing it. Yeah, that you've got this wave that does appear to be there. In 2020, in the last three weeks, the public opinion polling seemed to detect that there was a Republican counterwave, which turned out to be true. We don't see a a Democratic counterwave growing. And I just can't see that. Like, I mean, I'm in the Herschel Walker gets in without a runoff camp in Georgia at this point. I agree. I agree. Um, And I don't think Laxalt, Masters, and and Fetterman are going to go down at this point. Well, I think I think you miss what you I think what you meant to say. Matt, you think Laxalt wins? I agree. Laxalt yep. wins. I'm working for Adam Laxalt. Okay. Um, I think I think Blake Masters wins in Arizona. Yep. And um, Pennsylvania is a little bit tougher to figure out. I mean, Mastriano, who I actually have a lot of respect for, I think he's been mischaracterized by the media as this uh, QAnon conspiracist when he's really not. He's a military veteran. He's a master's degree holder. The guy's a, a really. I've met him. I have. Uh, he's a very impressive human being. Having said that, he has been painted as so bad by the media that it's difficult for him to recover. Uh, I don't know what happens in Pennsylvania, and candidly, I'm not involved there, so I don't, I'm not eyes on there. I am very eyes on in Nevada. I'm very eyes on in Arizona. I'm very eyes on in Georgia and, and Florida and other states. So, um, But I'll give you one. I'll, I'll make a prediction on the air here that I think is uh, going to be shocking. I'm sure will be very disappointed in you. Uh, I believe, and I predict, and I, I'm working for our opponent. I believe Katie Porter loses in California 47. Oh, praise Elizabeth Jesus. Warren's, yeah, Elizabeth Warren's protege is uh, going to lose. And what's fascinating, Eric, and I, I was talking to a couple of journalists about this over the last few days, is she has, I, I couldn't even tell you now, like seven, nine million dollars in the bank, and she's not spending it. And she's down. She's been down in a few polls now, even public polls. She was, it was moved to toss up today by uh, Dave Wasserman, and I, I tweeted out, "Welcome to the party." But he, from an overall standpoint, she's making a decision in her mind to lose and go broke because she's in the, it's in the Los Angeles media market. It's Orange County. It's the old uh, Dana Rohrbacher seat, if you can believe it, and, or to save her money and pivot to the Senate. And I keep looking for her to pay, place a $5 million buy, and she doesn't do it. So wow. I really believe she has made the calculation in her mind. She would rather lose with a full war chest and pivot and run for the Senate, then she would rather then she would win and be broke. And that, so, you know what? Scott Ball will be a member of Congress, and he's going to be a fantastic 
conservative member of Congress. That's fantastic to hear. Okay, I, 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 you know, going to law school, never ask a question you don't know the answer to already. I, but I'm going to ask you, you can be diplomatic. I appreciate your diplomacy on the cell phone and, and late summer shift that I'm wrong, but actually you're, you're going to dance around me being wrong on why. But I'm going to ask you, do you have a dog in the fight in your home state Oklahoma race? Uh, I do. I have several. I mean, look, I, I've worked for Governor Kevin. I actually took the attitude, Eric, that I did not want to do work in my home state after I moved okay. back here from Washington, D.C. in the mid 2000s. And then I got to be really good friends with Jim Bridenstein on the presidential campaign mm-hmm. in 2016. He was one of the uh, early Jim. Ted Cruz. I, I do, too. Ted Cruz endorses. And so I he asked me to meet a friend of his that was looking at running for governor of Oklahoma. And uh, I said, oh, you mean against the sitting lieutenant governor, the sitting mayor of Oklahoma City? Yeah, there's no chance. He goes, just meeting, just meeting. And I did. And it was Kevin Stitt, and uh, he was a businessman, and I thought it was exactly what the state of Oklahoma needed. And so I, I said, all right, I'm going to work for this guy. And I was blown away by just what a good, strong conservative he is. And so you probably are aware that there's been some public polls come out that show that I was close going to ask you about it, and I have a hard time believing it. Now, we've got our affiliate, uh, KRMG out in Tulsa. I know there are a lot of people listening. I just, I have a hard, and I know, I, I guess I saw one poll today actually has him with a comfortable lead. I have a hard time believing he yeah. loses the race. No, he's going to win, and he's going to win by more than he did in 2018. Um, I'll tell you that it's not, he, he will win this election by a greater margin than he won his first election in 2018. The difference, though, the most ever spent in a governor's election in Oklahoma was about $4.8 million. You can fact check me on that. It may be a little bit more or less, but it was by Kevin Stitt in 2018. Uh, he, will not, he will spend around that much this year, but the dark money groups that are funded by the Native American tribes in Oklahoma have spent 50, not a typo, wow. $50 million against him. And you're not, you do not have, there's been little to no reporting on it, because they, their major advertisers are those same tribes and the, the tribal casinos. So really what you have, it's not the tribes themselves. It's the casino bosses that uh, the governor tri- went to hard at work to renegotiate some very unequitable compact deals. And it's why I want to work with him. He's not, he's a, the great thing about Kevin Stitt, and you can say this about Glenn Youngkin, you can say this about a lot of governors that um, fall into this businessman category, Doug Burgum up in North Dakota, that when you get elected to an office and it's not the best job you ever had, you don't really care if you keep it as much as you do. You care if you do a good job. Mm-hmm. And so Kevin Stitt didn't want to just accept the tribal compacts that are by far, by anybody's definition, the worst in the nation uh, in terms of the, the equitability for the state of Oklahoma. I mean, to put it in perspective, it is California charges their tribal casinos 10x what is charged here in Oklahoma. It's literally the lowest that is paid anywhere. And so he tried to renegotiate it. And But the former Democrat governor, who now get, works for, guess who, the tribes, cut a deal <laughs> that uh, allowed the contract to renew of perpetuity and did not give the state auditor, auditing ability. So in other words, they don't even have the ability to audit how much Good money grief. is actually owed. It really is an amazing deal. So Kevin Stitt went to work trying to renegotiate it. So that's why there has been $50 million spent against him. Wow. But he'll win by more than he did in 2018. 
that's good to know because I, I I met him once. I really don't know him, but he seemed like a great guy. I, so, Chris, I've got to leave it there because, believe it or not, I have a live read for your friend and mine at Patriot Mobile that I've got to do. Oh, awesome. um, but you know, I helped start that company. I know I was I was that was going to be my segue in into this read and um, talk about that. Everybody should go sign up. Yeah. I can't thank you enough for stopping by. Uh, I just, I as, as I have said repeatedly, I just, if you say it, I believe it, but I don't believe most pollsters out there, but I appreciate your friendship no, appreciate in for that. calling in. Likewise. Good to talk to you, Eric. Take care. You too. That's Chris Wilson. Uh, we will send this out in, in podcast, my conversation with Chris. The man knows his polling. Uh, he's just a, a brilliant guy. Um, I, I didn't want to bring up, he's also a, a survived a stroke uh, several years ago. Uh, just a just a super 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 guy. I I think the world of him, uh, and he actually is the guy who came up with the idea for Patriot Mobile, uh, which is just a, a perfect segue. Uh, Charlie had no idea uh, that that was the case when, when he booked the placed the, the ad read after Chris. But Chris actually came up with the idea of Patriot Mobile, uh, and the reason was because he saw there were left wing groups that were setting up uh, cell phone companies and using profits to fund the left. And he's like, well, if they can do it, we can do it. And so he got some guys together, and that became Patriot Mobile. So if you become a subscriber at Patriot Mobile, they take a portion of their profits, and they fund the conservative cause and the conservative movement. And the more they grow their business, the more they grow the spin for the conservative cause. They're Christian conservatives doing it, just super people. And they give you guaranteed great service. All you do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You get free activation with my name. You can also call them 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation and you're signing up with a 100% U.S.-based customer service company that shares your values, shares your political views, and puts their money where their mouth is on this stuff. Patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan, wherever you are nationwide. If you want your business to grow, reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com. They'll be happy to have you. Uh, Big loans, though, $750,000 or more. Uh, Let me see. I've only got about a minute, but Mel, I want to try to get your call in here. Welcome, Mel. How are you? Mel? Mel or Mel? Uh, I, well, I, I, I'm talking to you, so uh, it, it, okay, it's written down it's as Mel. <laughs> All right, excellent. It's okay, it's Mel. I just I talked to you before, Eric. Love you. You're not perfect, but, but I'll give a touch of slack. Perfect. Um, I'm very unhappy with uh, the racism that is being shown Herschel Walker. I'm 63 years old. I'm a Georgia Tech fan. I did not like the way Walker stomped all over us when he won the national championship, but I've always respected him. And he does talk with with a southern, very real Georgia southern accent. Right. My family are are farmers. There's a little bit of a thickness in in his speech, and they talk about how he's not so smart. I don't think he could have done everything he's done in his career if he wasn't smart. And if anything, he's tougher than the, I'm not going to say the word, people he's running against. He's tough, and I'm proud to vote for him. Good. Mel, that's well said. I got to let you go there because I've only got about 15 seconds here. I will say this. Uh, In 2018, Democrats said Brian Kemp sounded too Southern. They're now saying the same thing about Herschel Walker. Uh, I think he's going to win without a runoff. And after talking to Chris Wilson, I'm more and more convinced of it.